Jared, uh, first of all, thanks for joining us. Good afternoon. We appreciate your time today. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Let's uh, let's talk about the the rebuild of the Rangers, and and obviously it's going to begin with uh, Isaiah Kiner Falefa and, and Joey Gallo, a couple of Gold Glove winners, and man, that's uh, that's exciting news for the Rangers. Yeah, no kidding, and I, I think it's a really cool moment, obviously for those guys. Uh, you know, I think anytime you win a Gold Glove, it's a special moment, but. Uh, you know, it's not like these guys have won this award, and, and I don't know that a lot of people necessarily have them to win one at any point in their career. Uh, and I think that, uh, you know, for both those guys, they sort of had something to prove for Isaiah Kiner-Falefa. Uh, after spending time trying to convert to a catcher, he got, I think, what his silent wish was, and that's to return to the infield and uh, got a chance to play a position every day uh, one spot pretty much uh, because uh, neither Ronald Guzman nor Greg Bird won the, the first base job in camp. So Todd Frazier played first, Isaiah Conner-Falefa played third, and you know, he even acknowledged he might never really get a true chance to win a gold glove again because if he's going to bounce around and be a utility player like his skill set suggests, then you know, perhaps he's not really a contender for something like this. And for Joey, he's uh, you know, shouting the rooftops the last couple of years saying, hey, I'm, I'm not just a hitter. Uh, you know, I can I can play the field. I can impact a, a team positively in that regard. And uh, he certainly did that in right field. And I think that there's some vindication for him winning the award yesterday, getting the national uh, attention, showing that, you know, he's not just this big, uh, strong home run hitter type player, but someone who's a lot more well-rounded. Let me ask you this, Jared. Do you see this team being being a player in, in, in the free agency? I mean, that, that with the two pieces that obviously they've got in place, are, are they going to go pick up some pitching? Is this something that John Daniels is going to do, or do you see him, you know, continuing to play these young guys and maybe wait another year to see where they're at? Yeah, I think they're going to wait another year. Uh, you know, there, there's one kid, a, a shortstop from South Korea, Ha Sung Kim, who's 25 years old, and maybe he would fit. But you know that. Major League Baseball's free agency is so unique. You know, I'll use the Mavericks as an example. When Luka Doncic signs his, his Supermax contract with the Mavericks in his first free agency deal or first, uh, you know, his, his first contract after getting drafted, he's still going to see his prime through the duration of that contract, you know, barring, you know, health issues. Uh, George Springer is one of the top position player free agents this year. Well, George Springer is already north of 30 years old. And so a lot of times for a major league baseball free agent, uh, they don't experience their prime throughout the entirety of that contract. And so uh, the timing for when you sign these guys is huge. You know, I totally understand uh, Rangers have the second worst record in major league baseball. So uh, what's the solution? Well, they got to get better and you get better by signing guys who are proven. But the problem is if you tie money up in two or three guys who are going to make you, go from the second worst team in baseball to, you know, a little bit below middle of the pack, then when you actually are in a position to, uh, you know, compete at a high level, you've got money tied up in guys who now are under the downward trend of their career and uh, you're handcuffed. And so it's, it's really about timing. I think this year uh, they're probably going to uh, really lean on the young guys and learn who they have uh, and, and maybe who they don't have moving forward. And, I would imagine that this next off season, hopefully after a year in which you can get fans in the ballpark and generate some revenue in that regard, with all the shortstops, there's like six really, really good shortstops will be available. My guess is the Rangers will get one of those guys, and that will kind of be the beginning of maybe 
a two to three year off season window in which they're uh, big spenders to try and build up their team. I just don't know if it makes sense this year when they're seemingly still two to three years away from being in that contending position. Jared, if the Rangers have another losing season, is there any concern about uh, the safety of Chris Woodward's job? Um, well, I, I listen, I, I don't think that the bar is they got to finish 500 or better because I, I think the expectation is that uh, next year is going to be the first time really uh, since the very beginning of the John Daniels era where they're just going to commit to young guys. You know, I, I, I know that uh, obviously they've had some struggles the last few years, but they haven't committed to youth the way that they're going to seemingly do so this upcoming year. So I think it's more about how does the clubhouse respond to him? Does he still have command and control of the team? Uh, and is there growth? Uh, you know, do are, are we seeing some of these young guys who are going to be important, uh, presumably important parts of the organization? Are they getting better? Uh, so I, I don't know that. Uh, you know, I don't want to say it's not about the wins and losses uh, because, you know, they, they want these guys to go out and compete. But I don't know that it's playoffs or bust or 500 record or bust just because, uh, you know, I don't think the Rangers are going into this year with those sorts of expectations. I think their goals and expectations are going to be more about growth and development uh, than, you know, wins and losses because I think they recognize that this is probably not a playoff team next year. Uh, it's uh, it's a team that's going to be full of guys with very little major league experience. It's likely going to be the first time that Elvis Andrews is not this team's opening day shortstop and certainly a, a part of the mix on a regular basis. You know, Joey Gallo is going to be one of the big veterans of the team. Uh, and, you know, he's still a young guy. He hasn't hit free agency yet. They're just not going to have a lot of uh, guys uh, who would fit that mold. So I think it's less so about the, the, standings and more so just about the improvement and if the arrow's trending in the right direction. Woody's going to go with uh, not one but two pitching coaches. First of all, have you ever seen that? And, and then what is the dynamic there? How is that going to work uh, on a day-to-day -day basis? Yeah, so uh, Doug Mathis and Brendan Segura, I think you know Doug is probably going to be the guy. If, if, if people refer to a pitching coach, it would probably be Doug. But yeah, you know, as you mentioned, it seems like duties are going to be shared. You know, I think their skill sets complement one another. The reality is uh, the, the pitching coach and the bullpen coach, uh, you know, which is oftentimes how it's been structured for a lot of teams, it's really a, a somewhat similar dynamic. I'd say that the pitching coach in terms of the hierarchy is a little more elevated than it seems like the Rangers are structuring uh, their duo with Mathis and Segura. But, uh, you know, they're, they're taking a different approach. And, and I think we're starting to see this with, various coaching staffs around baseball, not, not with this specifically, but just with the way they're uh, filling their staffs, the, the types of skill sets they're putting on staff, the way they're giving up responsibilities. You know, we're seeing all sorts of, uh, I guess, staffs that maybe don't fit the mold that, uh, you know, we're used to. Uh, and so it'll be interesting to see, you know, it seems like, you know, Doug will handle a lot of the mechanics and the, uh, the, the the fundamental side of it, uh, whereas Brendan Segura is going to do a lot of the game planning. And, you know, I don't know that there's really going to be a big a big change. My understanding is, hey, when the pitching coach is going out to the mound, that's going to be Doug Mathis. I don't think it's going to be like a flip a coin situation, although I guess, you know, I could be wrong. Uh, I just think that they're going to now maybe identify the roles with titles that are more befitting as opposed to, I don't want to say the antiquated setup of pitching coach and bullpen coach, but uh, you know, I, I think that 
saying that Doug Mathis was the bullpen coach last year, which he was, and that all he did was work with the relievers is not really representative of the role that he played within the organization and the role that a lot of bullpen coaches play within their respective organizations. Visiting with Jared Sandler of the Ranger Radio Crew. Jared, obviously this uh, this past uh, a couple of few weeks ago, in fact, uh, the ballpark had an opportunity to host uh, not only uh, playoffs but the World Series. You had a chance, obviously, to go. And, and what was that like to, to actually to be in that ballpark finally with, with fans in there? And I know it wasn't a packed house, but there were fans in there, and and uh, they seemed to be rooting on the Dodgers. What, what was what was the feel like in the ballpark? And could you get a sense of what, what spring and summer might look like for, for us Ranger fans moving forward? Yeah, so I actually wasn't there for that. I was, uh, I was out of town, uh, but uh, definitely heard from a lot of people who I think shared – sentiments that back up what uh, a lot of people guessed the environment would be like, which was loud. You know, that was that ballpark was a quarter filled. And there are people who said that at times, some of those big moments, whether it was a deep fly ball, whether or not it ended up being a home run or a big hit or a big strikeout, it got really loud. And the reason why is because the ballpark, the new park, Globe Life Field is smaller than Globe Life Park. It's built up, not out. Uh, and obviously when the roofs close, sound's going to stay within. And so I think one thing that fans got a sense of, which uh, a lot of people predicted, is that there's going to be a pretty distinct home field advantage from a volume standpoint uh, when that place gets, gets filled up. And I don't even think it needs to be a sold-out crowd for it to get super loud. And I, I compare it to Minute Maid Park uh, and the Rogers Center. Uh, Minute Maid Park, obviously the home of, uh, that team down south, and then the Rogers Center, home of the Blue Jays. Those are two of the loudest venues I've ever experienced for any sporting events. Uh, you know, as much as we hate the Jose Bautista home run back in 2015, I've, I don't know that I've ever heard a baseball venue louder uh, than when that ball was hit in the, uh, you know, the subsequent moments. And then Houston, you know, they've been good the last few years. They've obviously had pretty good crowds. Uh, you know, even your random regular season game in July, uh, it's a pretty cool environment. And I think that uh, Global I Feel is going to recreate that. And from everything I heard from fans and from media members, uh, it got pretty good reviews. So that's exciting to see because uh, after spending an entire season watching games in front of nobody, you sort of forget that, hey, this thing's built for fans and, and you you lose sight of the fact that, there's a whole nother element to this uh, the stadium that we didn't even really get to experience in earnest this year. The perception of Globe Life Field during the regular season was that it was a pitcher-friendly stadium. So were you surprised to see as many home runs hit during the playoffs and World Series? Yeah, so a few things. One, uh, when the roof was open, the ball certainly did travel more. And I, I, I think that what we saw is that this might play a little more fair um, I think it will lean a little more pitcher friendly, but and I don't mean this as a jab, but let's just call a spade a spade. The Rangers were not a good offensive team. So the, the one constant for games played at Globe Life Field was the Rangers. And they struggled to hit home runs, but I, I think you can make a case that they really were going to struggle in, in a lot of ballparks. And, and again, I'm not, I'm not saying that to take a shot. I just think that it, you know it, it's tough to base our opinion of a ballpark on uh, a 30 game sample in which one of the teams just in terms of their level of production was pretty stark uh, on one side of the fence. And for the Rangers, unfortunately for the first time really in a really long time in franchise history, they were on the 
the side of the fence that was not filled with great hitters. Uh, and so, I, I mean, I do think there is something to it. I, I don't think that it's strictly for that reason. But when the Mariners came to town and when the Dodgers came to town and when the, the Astros, you know, when all these teams came to town, they were able to hit home runs. Uh, and, you know, we saw that in the postseason with two really, really good hitting teams there in the World Series. And then, of course, uh, in uh, in the, the NLDS and the NLCS with the Padres getting their crack. And then uh, in the NLCS with the Braves, you know, those are teams as well that have got some power and they were able to hit home runs. So, you know, there's a lot of chatter about moving the fences in. And I think the organization's response is, wait a second, we need a full season before we even consider something like that. And I, I think that's appropriate. Uh, I also think that, uh, you know, the Rangers have a lot of room to grow offensively within their lineup, and that could change some perceptions as well. Hey, Jared, thanks so much. Uh, Great conversation. We love talking baseball, and uh, we appreciate your time here today and look forward to to hearing you on the radio again soon uh, when uh, when we get it rolling again in, in, in March. Yeah, looking forward to it, fellas. Thanks for having me on. Hey, appreciate your time. Jared Sandler from the uh, Texas Ranger broadcast team.